Lord, I pray that it will be our experience this morning to find a sure footing on that solid rock, Lord Jesus, you promised to be for us. God, we, we tend to stumble, we tend to slip, and we fall away, and we scramble, and we think we're in control. Lord, I pray that the overriding message this morning will be that you are on your throne, you are in control, and that you love us, and that we just need to stand, we need to stop running. And Lord, lean into your grace, lean into your love and the passion you have for us. So Lord, I pray you would speak to us now just as I turn to your word, that God, that we'd be able to hear from you. Lord, for those in the room, Lord God, who are just on a faith journey and exploring and thinking through, Lord, I pray that they would hear something that really they resonate with, that they've been looking for. And that, God, you would do an incredible work. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you take your seats, why don't you just take two minutes to say hello to somebody. Uh, Maybe you've... uh... Sarah. No slide came up to dismiss the kids. And that's what I was trying to tell you. It's not your fault. Well, I wonder if you've ever really been chased, like running, knowing, you know, there's that chase where if when you, when you chase around after little kids, they, they usually are giggling and it's fun and it's that sort of thing in the, in the playground. But I wonder whether you've actually been chased, where you've, you've been frightened to being caught. I was trying to think of a time when I've been chased and being a, uh, you know, a rugby into rugby and a rugby coach. That's just part of the game. You know, you, you, you've got to run hard because you know there's probably en masse three or four thousand pounds worth of, of, of men chasing after you. You need to get across that line before they catch up with you. But the story of Jonah is less about the story of a whale and more about a man who is running because he's being chased. Well, in fact, if you look, if you read the story of Jonah, and we've been looking at minor prophets over the last uh, few weeks, you'll see that there's very, very little mention of a whale. In fact, it doesn't mention a whale at all. It talks about a fish. Uh, and that is not what we're going to be focusing on this morning. We're going to be looking at the, what the actual story of Jonah is about, which is really a reflection of what life is about. It's, it's, a, it's a, a human being running away and God chasing after him. That is the story of the Bible. That is the story of Christianity. You could say, on one hand, it's sin, the running away from God, and then it's the chasing of God, which is grace. And so that's what we're going to look at. And what it is, what's interesting is, in life, what we often do is we think that we're chasing after something of value, something that's 
that's of worth, that we're chasing after fulfillment and purpose and whatever that might be. And certainly in our area, there are many families and many individuals who are not struggling, they're not the working poor, as it were, experiencing homelessness. But one thing that doesn't change, regardless of finances or possessions, is this desire and knowledge that there's something more, that there's, there's got to be more to life than this. There's a bigger purpose. And so we chase after that. But the reality is, the opposite is true. If we stop for a second and allow ourselves to be caught, that's where purpose is found. Not in the chase, not in the rat race. We're chasing after true purpose in our mind where actually the reality is, is we're actually running away from true purpose. We're not chasing after it, we're running away from it. Thinking that we're going to find it while all the time missing it. So we're going to jump into a couple of points in Jonah. We're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 through to 3. We're going to read that now. I don't normally drink Starbucks, but my throat is a little tickly. Don't know why. Maybe it's got something to do with... You can actually smell it in here. So uh, we're, we're so glad that you ventured out of your homes and came and joined us this morning. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. I don't know if it's, oh, it's going to appear on the big screen. Wonderful. Thank you, Dwayne. You've been working hard this morning. We've got a couple of technical issues. And Dwayne's just so, you're so calm. It's like, we'll get it sorted. My heart's like, and he's like, mm. it's wonderful. We appreciate you, Dwayne. Jonah 1, verse 1 through to 3. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up uh, before me. But verse 3 says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. My first point this morning is this. It's just a question. Going somewhere? We going somewhere? You see, the reality is, is that Jonah wasn't running away from Nineveh. What he was doing, he was actually running away from God. In fact, he wasn't just running If we look at that scripture again in Jonah 1 verse 1 to 3, it actually says in verse 3, he rose to flee. Now, picture somebody fleeing as opposed to somebody out just for a morning run trying to keep fit. There's a big difference in that imagery, isn't there? There's this erratic desperation that, you know, you're jumping over things, you're you're trying to get away from whatever it is that's chasing you. That's the image that I want you to have in your mind, that this this quick turning and changing direction, speeding up, slowing down, fleeing in an erratic, almost scared kind of way. And, And what Jonah's actually doing is he's running from God. So I have a couple of things for us to think about. Are you running from God this morning? Now, I'm not just talking to people who are not of faith, or maybe you've had an experience when you were younger and you hate all things to do with religion, and as you've gotten older, you're kind of going, well, maybe there is something, maybe there is this spiritual side of life I should be exploring, and, and, but you, you've been running. You're not running away from the rigid religion and the rules that you remember from your childhood when your mom or your dad kind of grabbed you and dragged you into church and said, you do this and don't do that and don't go there. That's not what you're running from. What you're actually running from, that if you like, is is, uh, Nineveh. That's not what you're running from. What you're running from is God himself. 
So I want you just to, I want to challenge you gently and say to you, well, let's just push this idea that you're running away from experiences from your youth or experiences when you, you met somebody at work one day and, and it put you off Christianity or you look at the news and you go, well, if religion wasn't part of our world, it would be so much better. You're not running from that. What you're actually running from is God himself and all that God represents, a God of love and a God of justice. That's what you're running from. Christians, people who are of faith, many times, often we are still running from God. We like the idea of God, the concept of God. We like that God can bring security and comfort in the times of challenge and trouble. But we run from the idea of God as a person, God who's actually intimately involved in our lives. And the God who says, just like he did to Jonah, I've got stuff for you to do. We run from that. So regardless of where we're at in life, I guess we've got some connection with one another. We all look different, but I wonder how many of us in this room right now are running hard. You're running hard. Not just running hard, but you're fleeing. And running is exhausting. I do not like running. I don't enjoy any aspect of it. And as I've got older, I've actually now got an excuse not to go for a run because you go, ooh, my knees. Have you noticed that? That's what most people who don't like running go, ooh, it's hard on the knees. I probably shouldn't do that. And I don't like running. It's, it's hard work. It's exhausting. If you're getting chased, it's stressful. There's nothing fun about this imagery of running away from God. It's hard work. It's nice to run with somebody, but not run away from somebody. So I, my hope and my prayer this morning is regardless of where you're at, whether you've had a really poor experience of faith and Christianity and you're running away from that and you're thinking that's what you're running away from or if you've been a Christian for a long time and you kind of just got into this rut of Christianity and you know that there's something more, I want to say to both of those groups and say, what is it you're running from? What is it you're running from? Are you actually running from God? I want to encourage you that recognizing that we're running is the first step to being caught. Recognizing that you're running away from God is the first step to being caught by God. And being caught by God is the first step to really fulfilling your purpose in life. Now there are imagery in the New Testament about running the race and, and, it's, and, that, and it's running the race with God, for God, alongside God, in God, God filling. Let's do this together with God. That's not the image here. It's away from God and so we need to recognize that we're running and we need to stop and we need to get caught because in the catching there's the start of the purpose so are you fleeing from God so what is your Nineveh what is your the thing that that really in your mind you are running from see the run from God in Jonah's life was triggered by a request from God the request we can read in verses, uh, in verses uh, 2, uh, sorry, Jonah 4, I should say, verses 1 to 2, it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What was it that displeased Jonah? God had asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and, and warn them about what was coming. And this was Jonah's real problem, and he communicates this later on in the book. He says this is his problem, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, What was he angry at? He was angry at being asked to do something by God. Why? He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Can you you feel the tood 
the attitude going on here? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Now, let's not skip away from this for a second. Let's just think about what Jonah's saying. He says, I'm running from you, God. I'm running from your presence. I'm running from your command. Because what you're asking me to do is distasteful to me. I don't want you to, to do that. In fact, I think I have a better plan. And the plan is, is that I want Nineveh to be destroyed because I'm concerned about Nineveh and what they could do to Israel, my country. So because you're a loving, merciful, gracious, powerful God, I know that you change hearts. I know that you will turn them. I'm going to run. It's messed up thinking. That because God is gracious, loving, and kind, and slow to anger, he's running. Because he thinks that he's got a better plan. His running has been triggered by God asking him to do something that he thinks he knows better. What is God asking you to do this morning? On a large scale, God asks of humanity to recognize that without him, without him being enthroned in their life, without us focusing our attention upon him in life, we're always going to be living disjointed, out of alignment, if you like, not in purpose, not being fulfilled, and ultimately leading to a life of death and then ultimately eternal death. That's what the Bible says. So the ask that God is asking that people flee from is surrender, submit to me, allow me to impact because I'm chasing after you. As a Christian, God is asking us a whole other set of things, which I'm going to come to in a second. But we think we know better. And this goes back right to the beginning of when God created the heavens and the universe. Now, you might not believe that, but let me just say one thing that I know that you can agree on is this, is that every human, every person placed on this planet knows that what they are experiencing now is not enough. They always want something more. And as a Christian, we say that God has placed this desire for him inside of us. There's something more. And I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. And so we chase. In Romans 3, 22 to 23, it says this, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a powerful verse. And what it's saying very simply is this, For there is no distinction for all. Everyone has sinned. Yeah, but hang on a second. I'm a pretty good person. I do better than the person next to me. Have you seen what they do? Have you seen where they go? Have you seen how they act? Have you seen their habits? I'm not like that. God would never punish me or send me to hell. He's going to let me in because I'm a good person. But then it carries on. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the glory of God. So God's not comparing us to other people. He's comparing us to his glory. And we fall short of that glory. What is glory? In its essence, glory means mass, presence. It's his, it's his excellence. We fall short of that. One of the things I love about Christianity is the phrase, it's a, it's a, it's a, a Latin, um, this, this, the idea of, of humanity having dignity. It's a Margot Dei. That all humanity has dignity. This is why I love Christianity, because one of the things that 
is thrown against Christianity is that we are exclusive. Whereas actually we're incredibly inclusive. Because before God we're all the same. For all have sinned. And we all have this inbuilt broken dignity. So whether you are rich or poor, whether you are living life um, and whether you're experiencing homelessness or you're living in a beautiful mansion, whether you're making life choices that, on, that as a Christian we would say those aren't the best life choices or you're not. We're all the same. We all have dignity. And, and as Christians, it's important that we, this is where non-judgment comes from. We can't judge somebody in that respect because we are all dignified before God. However, we're broken. We fall short. We've been created perfect, Adam and Eve, but we're broken. Sin entered the world and broke us. But this echo, this sense of something more continues in our life. And God, just like he did in the garden, said, where are you? Continues to communicate that through our lives as he chases us down in his love and his mercy and his grace. What are you running from? You're actually running from the perfection and the design that God created you to be. You're running from the purpose and the fulfillment that God gave for you to fulfill. You're running from your perfect design. And until you submit to God and surrender to Him, the designer, the creator, then you are always going to be misaligned, running in the wrong direction. We've been designed with a purpose built in. One of my favorite illustrations of this, and I have used this before, is, uh, and, this, and I love this illustration because I, I really enjoy fishing. I had uh, an opportunity to go with Joseph on, on Friday. We were fishing for kokanee. Awesome. We caught some beautiful kokanee salmon in Wood Lake. It was amazing. I love, I love it. But, and I've done a lot of fishing. And the thing with fishing is, is when you, and this might offend some of you, but you know, until you go and slap a fish and actually experience what it's like, then I encourage you to go fishing. It's wonderful. But you get a fish out and you get it in the boat or on the side and it's flapping around. Because it's not designed to be on the beach. It's designed to be in the water or in my belly. But... It's not designed to be on the beach. So I could look at this fish that's slowly dying because it's not designed to live this way. And I can go, right, I know what this fish needs. This fish needs more money. And I could throw some cash at it. And that's not going to do any good at all, apart from give it a headache if it's a lot of cash. I'll go, you know what this fish needs? It needs, uh, it needs another fish, a really good looking fish to live life with. So I get another fish who's also dying and put it next to it and go, right, there you go. Now life is going to come. No, the fish continues to die. Now it's just two fish dying. So I know, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll throw some, um, some gin or vodka or brandy on it. That'll do it. Just self-medication. Let's just throw some stuff. It's going to make itself feel better as it's dying. No, it's not designed for that either. What about some pornography? What about, I'll give, it, I'll give it some ambition. I'll give it a great job. You know what? I'll move it from this spot on the beach and put it on another spot on the beach. We'll just move its location. That'll bring life to it. No. The only place that that fish really belongs is in the lake, the river, or the sea because that's the way it was designed. And friends, we are exactly the same. We are beached. And outside of God, your design is to be in the river of life that God created for you. And we think that if we can just add stuff to our life, 
If we can add more money, a better family, a better looking partner, a different location, a bigger degree, whatever it might be, that life, that fulfillment, that purpose that we've been created for, that will get fulfilled. Well, all the time we're still laid on this beach gasping for the life that only God can truly give. Because God, in His grace and mercy, picks us up through His Son, Jesus Christ, and places us in the place that we were created to be, which was in Him. And until we get there, we are foolish. And the Bible says, look, you can either believe what the Bible says, or you can just live it out. And by experience, you will know that no matter how much stuff we get, we are never going to truly be fulfilled with purpose and joy and energy and love the way we created to be. We belong in the river, which is what God has created for us. This is what our design was. But we resist, we run from that because we think we know better. No, we'll just add stuff to our life and I'll find it. And we don't. It's easy to take orders from somebody when we trust them. When we really trust somebody, it might be a difficult thing to follow through, but our trust of the person overrides that and we follow through with it. Do you trust God? Christians, do you trust Him? The one who picked you up lovingly, gently, carefully, maybe not for some of you, maybe some of you just felt like you were violently impacted by God, that life got so bad so quickly that you turned to him, that you were just exhausted, you collapsed, and in his grace, he picked you up, and he places you in the river, and you remember what that feels like. You remember your first love, you remember the energy, you remember like, I have a new life. It's like suddenly the colors become colorful again do you remember that but what we tend to do is we drag ourselves out of the river and back onto the beach again thinking that we're still in control let's trust the God who created us say yes so what's our Nineveh see we were created to make a difference Christians we were created we've been called we've been filled we've been empowered we've been sent out to make a difference If you want to know what your purpose is, it's very, very simple. Your purpose is to follow the will of God for your life. Your purpose is to make much of Jesus. Your purpose is to go into the world and represent him well. Your purpose is to point people to the river. That while you're in the river, you can say, look, this is what life should be like. Let me tell you my story. See, we make it really complicated. And we're going to be, over the next few months, you're going to see some differences and changes. We've been working very busily behind the scenes. And this is going to get rolled out more over the next few months, especially in September. I really hope that you're able to come to church in September, those of you called South Home, because we're going to be working through some of the evangelistic and outreach changes that we're going to make. And here's one of them. Here's one of them. I want you to know five things, Christians, five things. First of all, You have been placed on purpose. You're going to hear me say this a lot. You've been placed on purpose. In Acts 17, it says that you have been placed, the location, the the time that you live in, you've been placed on purpose to make a difference, to communicate truth, to be loving, to serve, that you have a calling. Number two, you've been placed on purpose to intentionally make friends. Now, that sounds awfully clinical that you're meant to make a friend in order just to get them into heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Christ went into the world and loved and cared and served and spoke truth with people who were so different from him. He was intentional in what he did and the place that he was at. But when we have friends, and can I say this, Christian friends, if you don't have Christian friends, if you don't have non-Christian friends, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Because you've been placed on purpose to make friends intentionally. Why? So you can share the story of Jesus with them. Now let me tell you something. Don't tell the person why they need Jesus. Tell the person why you need Jesus. Why did you need Jesus? Share your story. Because people are intrigued by Jesus. Increasingly, the research is showing, especially from the age of 15 to 29, that there's a fascination with Jesus, not with God. People love Jesus. They're fascinated with him. Share your story with the friends that you are making and serving and loving in the place that you have been put purposefully. Pray for them. This is your purpose. This is the will of God. This is how you make difference in people's lives. This is living in the river. This is not chasing away. Well, God, I could never do this. That's you running away from God. So five, share your church. Because it's not necessarily about you knowing the gospel inside out, that you can share the gospel really, really well with them. We'd love that. But it might be that it's just an invite to come to something in church. And we're going to have more things for you to invite your friends to. We're also going to make sure that this Sunday is something you can be really confident to invite your friends to. And that's going to mean some changes. Or does that mean you're not going to read and, and preach the Bible? No, not at all. We just want to make sure that we do everything we can in order to communicate the gospel really effectively and really beautifully and gently and and wonderfully. And those of you who know me well will know that I can't be that super seeker-friendly, polished, let's not mention anything that might offend. I'm just not that person. But we want to make Sunday something that you feel confident to invite your friends to. So you've been placed purposefully to have friends intentionally so you can share your story as to why you needed Jesus so you can pray for them so you can share and invite them to church or to an event so they can hear the gospel that's the purpose do we run from that because what you're seeing in those five points is essentially what the new testament teaching is about our function in life is that what we're running from because we think that somehow we can't do that So we run from this. I was spending some time with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. They would describe themselves as an agnostic. And we were just enjoying some coffee and we were chatting. As soon as I stopped talking about God and started talking about Jesus, I could see in their body language a leaning in. As soon as I started talking about my story, there was a fascination and intrigue. Can I tell you, Christian friends, you have something that is so powerful it's your story. It's your story of how Jesus impacted you. Let's share it. Let's share the story and invite people to Alpha. Invite people to the Sundays we're going to have specifically for guests. Invite them. Because that is the most precious thing you can do. Is to help somebody come and get back into the river. Number three, really quickly. He went down to Joppa and found a ship. Going to Tarshish 
So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Again, you see his, his intention is to run away from God's command. So here's a guiding principle for us all in life. There's always a ship. There's always a ship. There's always something or someone ready to take you away from the presence of God. Always. And we also know where to find it. And we also know how to get onto it. You see, we've been designed in a certain way and there's always a ship to take us away from that design. If I go and visit my doctor, my doctor is going to tell me, listen Glenn, if you want to live a healthy life, you need to eat this and not eat that. Now unfortunately, all the things that he tells me or she tells me not to eat are all the things I really want to eat and are really easy to eat. And all the things that I have to eat or I should eat are all the things that mentally I'm thinking I don't want to eat. So in that tension, I reside. But it's the height of foolishness for me to go around life eating all the junk food while expecting there's not going to be a storm coming because the junk food is readily available. I've been designed to eat healthily, but I can ignore that design. The thing with junk food is they're readily available everywhere you go. And... It's not empty, just in case you thought, I know what it's like. It's probably just empty. And see, now, I thought, uh, Jack, can I have, can you come here a minute? He's like, absolutely, sign me up, anything you need. Could you just go and and not, not eat them? You see, his hand immediately went in. You can have whatever is left over. But just go and, go. if you would like a Timbit, can you put your hand up? See, love it. It's like, go straight to my family. Okay, quickly, son. Because they're not going to listen to a word I say while, uh, while you're sharing out Timbits. There's always junk food to be had, isn't there? There's always a ship to sail on. They're always readily available and it tastes good. And there's nothing wrong with having a Timbit every now and again. That's wonderful. Yes, give them out. But here's the thing. When you live downtown... Is it not correct that we are surrounded by opportunities to eat junk food? Whereas when you live in a cabin, there's that distraction that's just not there. You see, and Jack's doing a great job of handing out Timbits. And this is where this analogy fails because Timbits, they're, they're good. But if you, all you eat are Timbits, then you are going to go against the design for which you were created for and it's going to end badly. In the short term, it might make sense because it's easily found. But in the long term, there's a storm coming. There's a ship waiting. See, the long-term result of Jonah running away from God was ultimately he found a ship and it sails away from God further and further. But there was a storm coming. Oh, well, there you go, mate. You can have the rest. Well, maybe not. (laughs) Because if you're looking for a ship to get away from God, there's always a ship. And what starts with a small thing results in disaster and storm. So you can have impure thoughts and it ends in somebody's bed. Like, whoa, that's a jump. And it is a jump. But it's a ship. Always ready to take you away. And it starts with something small. It starts with getting on the ship. And it'll take you away. See, if you have resentful thoughts, those resentful thoughts can lead to anger and resentment and there's the stones and sticks and 
ways to follow through with those resentful thoughts. You see, there's always, always a ship and you can never, ever outrun the storm. You can't baffle sin. You can't outrun sin. You cannot out um, control sin. You can't bribe your way out of sin. The storm comes and there's always, always a ship to take you away. But the good news is this, that there's always, always a savior There's always a God who's chasing after you because point four is this, is that God loves to fish. In Jonah 3 verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So Jonah is thrown into the sea. There's this storm that he made a decision to flee from God, but God chases Jonah down and that's where the fish comes in. But the emphasis of this book is on this verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Friends, Has the word of the Lord consistently been coming to you, convicting you, talking to you? Do this. Listen to me. Let's stop the chase. Let's just stop for a minute and listen. What is it that I'm commanding you to do? So my ask for you this week is to consider, maybe even now, what is it that God has been asking you to do persistently that you have persistently not been resisting but actually running from? What's the ship that you got on? What is it that's pulling you away from the presence of the Lord? Because God in his grace and mercy always gives us second times, third times, fourth times. He'll consistently come after us. He consistently chases us. And he always sends a savior. And his son Jesus is the savior who came to earth and lived the perfect life and died the death. And in his death and in his resurrection provides forgiveness for all the chasing we've done and also gives us life to live to the full in the river. What has God commanded you to do that you're resisting? Well, I'm waiting for things to change. No, you're running. Maybe, maybe it's just time to stop and to listen and to confess and ask God, what is it you want me to do? Because he sends a savior And he's the God of the second chance. He draws us back right in the middle of a storm often. Sometimes those storms are of our own making. Are you in a storm right now? How are you going to control that? Are you running thinking that you have a direction of purpose? And this is really hard the younger you are. Because the younger you are, you honestly feel that the decisions you're going to make are actually going to result in you feeling fulfilled and full of purpose at the end of the line. And it's a little bit like eating Timbits and McDonald's and Burger King when you're 14, 15. You just absorb that thing, don't you? You know, and they're as skinny as a rake and you're like, how is that even possible? All I need to do is smell the thing and you can see the results. The older you get, you start seeing the results of the decisions that you've made earlier on. The younger you are, You think that actually you can get away and you're in control and it will end in the way that you think it will. And it doesn't. So regardless of your age, it's far better to get in alignment with the purpose and the design that God has given us. And that's what this church is about. See, our vision is to see lives transformed by Jesus Christ in the Okanagan Valley. Life transformation starts with stopping the running and stopping and saying, okay, God, what is it you're trying to say to me? What is your command? Christians, are we following through with the command of the Lord in our day-to-day lives? Or are we thinking that we know better? People who are still kind of journeying and thinking through faith, 
Are you chasing after another Savior, thinking that you're going to find your fulfillment in that, while all the time the God of the universe who created you is saying, where are you? Just stop. Stop the chase. And as a church, we want to make sure we communicate this really effectively. Sometimes that means that somebody needs to grab us and go, let's just stop running. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to take some time. Maybe it's early in the morning or whenever is a good time for you. It's just to stop, literally stop. Switch your phone off. Put away the things that often distract. And just make it you and just your thoughts. If you're a Christian, maybe you want to grab your Bible. I just want you to stop. I maybe want you to close your eyes. Let's just close our eyes together now. Let's just slow down. And we just ask, Father, I get a sense that I've been running away from you. God, I know that there's a better way. I know that there is a more fulfilled way. God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fleeing. Because God, everything that I seem to be running towards fails me. So Lord, I'm stopping. And I confess that I need you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. God, I pray you just speak to us now as a church. And Lord, you would remind us of how much you love us and how passionate you are towards us. But Lord, you left the 99 to chase after the one. Like we sing, that you would climb mountains to get to us. Lord, I pray that sense of love and passion will just flow through this room now. And then maybe in your time this week, friends, you can make this ask, God, what is it that you command of me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to stop? What do you want me to remove from my mobile device? What do you want me to stop looking at? Lord, I pray that you would keep us from sin. Keep us from the ship. That, Lord, that we would fill our lives with that which you have designed us to love. Fill our lives, Lord, with the goodness that you promise. Christians, I pray especially for you now. Lord, I pray just like those early believers in the New Testament, that they prayed for great boldness. Lord, I pray you would make us bold. That, Lord, that we would share our story, that we would love on people well. That, Lord, we would seek ways to serve our city. Lord, I pray that you would Show us how we can increase our friendships. 
and be intentional about showing the love of Jesus to our city. Lord, that's our ask. That's our prayer. And Father, I thank you that you have promised to go before us, around us, fill us, empower us. That, Lord, we do not go alone like we've already uh, sung this morning, Lord, that we are conquerors, more than conquerors in you. Lord, I pray we would go with that vigor. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the stories that are shared, the way people love each other, the way people serve one another and serve this city. Lord, I pray that you would increase that more and more in this community. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to sing together. Beautiful song, and it's very in keeping with what I've been sharing. And I really want us to make it a prayer as we go, and Sarah will uh, lovingly dismiss us at the end, and we can grab coffee. But let's make this our prayer. And then when we go and be church, then we go with this prayer, this solid ground that we stand, that God has empowered you to be his representatives in this beautiful and amazing smoke-filled community. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord together.